I'm gonna stop. I'm kidding. We'll, we'll make it work. Um, anyway, uh, we're in Second Chronicles chapter one, chapter one. Second Chronicles chapter one. We're gonna go through twelve verses tonight. So it's not like a whole chapter. It's not like even a half of that section. Um, so hopefully it's enough for you guys. But at the same time, it's not like oh my gosh, are we reading the entire Bible tonight? Um, so just so you guys know, uh, we're gonna be in Second Chronicles chapter one, uh, verse one through twelve. Before we get there, while you guys are turning there, writing it down in your notes, shh, make sure we're paying attention. Okay, this is like the last half. This is important. This is reading uh, God's word. You know, how many people want God to speak to them? Like you're always praying for God to speak. Yeah? If you're praying for God to speak and you don't open up the Bible, you got a problem. So it's important. Okay? Um, anyway, but if you've ever watched a movie with a magic lamp, with the long little nozzle what do you do in the movie when you see the the lamp you rub it right now why do you rub a magic lamp in a movie so you can get a genie which gives you wishes pretty cool who and this is rhetorical you don't have to answer because i know everybody would have their own ideas but what would you do if you had three wishes from a genie Three wishes. No, you can't wish for more wishes. No. No, that's not. That's another loophole. No, no, no. Hey, new car, right? Would it be a new house? Who would buy a new house? Anybody buy a new house? Anybody get enough money to move away? Anybody want to move away? No. What about, uh, what about floor money? You want like unlimited amounts of money. Anybody pray? Anybody ask for that? Peace? World peace? Is that, oh, man. You're, you're better than I am. I'd be praying for money and all sorts of stuff. It can't be more wishes, though. Can't be more genies, either. That's not fair. But here's the thing. It's fun to think about that, right? But obviously, genies aren't real. Right? If you see a lamp and you start rubbing it, people are going to think you're crazy. There's not some big blue man who's going to come out with a ponytail and be like, what's up? You ain't never had a friend like me. Uh, you know, all that stuff. That's not just not going to happen. Right. But here's the cool thing. We do serve a pretty amazing God. And not everybody gets, not everybody gets to a point. Shh, you guys listening? Not everybody gets to a point where God literally says, Hey, Caleb, uh, what, what, what would you like? Yeah. Not everybody, not everybody gets to a point where you're able to, to ask God for things and God would actually grant it, right? Not, that doesn't happen very often, but what we're going to read about is a time where it does. And so as we're walking through this story, I want you to think if God was able to ask you for anything what would that thing be? What? Oh, you're getting ahead of me. Don't do that. I'm kidding. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll save all the conversation till the end. So, so we're, what we're going to do, last week, Macy preached an amazing message looking at David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath. Give it up for Macy. She's awesome. But, yeah. So we, we, we preached a message uh, on David and Goliath. What we're going to be talking about tonight is another king after David. So David reigns as king, and this is actually going to be his son. Ready, good? We're going to be talking about his son, Solomon, tonight, 
who is also the king. Uh, We're actually going to pick up right in verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses before we do anything else. This is what it says. It says, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom for the Lord, his God, was with him and made him exceedingly great. says, guys, cut the conversations, please. Oh, I got you. No, yeah, I, yeah, I just, we're here having a lot of conversations here, so. Um, if somebody could go, yeah, thank you. Um, so, let me read this again. So it says, uh, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Then Solomon spoke to all of Israel, to the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in Israel, the heads of the families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place of Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness, right? Exodus, read about that. We talked about that, right? So this is the the place uh, where God's presence was. It says, now David brought up the ark from Kirith Jerem to the place that he prepared uh, for it because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Ur, had made in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and his assembly inquired of him, God, there. It says, Then Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings for it. Check this out. So what we're doing here is we're reading right at the front, right at the beginning of Solomon's reign as king. And what does he do? He goes to the tent of meeting. He goes to this this temple. He goes to where Moses had created a space for God to be. Because in the Old Testament, you couldn't just ask for God to, to, uh, to just come and be with you. You couldn't talk to God directly. You had to pitch a tent. You had to create uh, temples and tabernacles and all of this stuff. This is all Old Testament stuff. So... In this time, he starts off his reign by going to where God's presence was and offering him offerings and worshiping him. You see, you see, this was a, this was a big, big deal. This was a big deal for, um, for, uh, all of the, the, the nation, right? Because, when a, when a king takes an oath, right, when a king steps into power, typically the first couple things that they do impacts and sets the tone for the rest of their, uh, for the rest of their uh, reign, right? So it's like this. It's like if uh, leaders take an oath, oath of office, right? You know, president, Congress, all this stuff, right? All of these people take oaths of office, and what do they what do they put their hand on? Put it on the Bible. They put it on a religious book. You know, we have some who who are agnostic or whatever. They put it on whatever they want. They take that oath, and what do they swear to uphold? Anybody know? Government class, right now. 
honor, close. It's an actual document. Starts with a C. Yes! You get a gold star. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the Constitution. They're, they're, they're sworn to uphold the Constitution. They, they set themselves up and set the standard for what they're going to do. And that's essentially, that's essentially what Solomon did in these first six verses. He took all of Israel, all the representatives of his army and military and all of his people, and, and he goes up to inquire of the Lord, to pray and to offer sacrifices. I want you guys to grab onto this if you are taking notes Worship is the starting point of everything that we do. Worship is the starting point. You see, if there is something that you need to work through, if there's something that you need in your life, if there's a breakthrough, if there's something happening and you are not, like I said earlier, if you're not reading the word, you got a problem. If you're not starting in worship, you got a problem. You're never going to get out of those things. If, if, if when we're worshiping at the beginning or at the end or at the middle of service and you're dealing with something that's incredibly difficult to walk through and you're not engaging in worship, you're, you're, it's really difficult to be able to hear from God and to be able to, to hear his voice. Worship is the starting point of, of anything. Allowing God to take his place as number one in our lives is the starting point for everything that we do. Amen. You guys, do you guys, you guys agree with that? Does that make sense? Let's go ahead and read these next three verses. Cause this is really the bulk of it. And, uh, this is really the bulk of the story. It says that night so that he's offered all these offerings up to the Lord. It says that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God and said, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. That's an important line. I'm actually going to read it again. It says, Solomon answered, God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and give me knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours? This response is really uh, impactful and really powerful. Abigail was getting a little ahead on me. You know, God asks that question that I asked you guys at the beginning. God actually sits with Solomon and says, hey, you're, you're the new king. You're leading my people. What do you want from me? And Solomon could have had anything. He could have said, I want a bigger military. I want a stronger uh, uh, people in my nation. I want fruitfulness. I want money. I want wealth. I want all of this stuff. But he doesn't. He says, Lord, give me wisdom. But the interesting thing and the thing that I really want to hit on, um, if you were here on Sunday or you were listening to Sunday's message, there's a great message in this about wisdom. But what I think is also cool about this story is we see this, that God is committed to us. All of the stuff before Solomon, uh, all of the things that Solomon says before he asks for wisdom is about his father, David. You have shown me great, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. 
It's not, it's not, hey, I really want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. It's, hey, you promised all of these things to my father, David, and I want that. So in asking for you to keep your promise to David, I want to ask for wisdom. And God is committed to that. I think it's a beautiful thing to see Solomon's response includes his father because God keeps his promises through generations. God's committed to his people. He doesn't give bad gifts and we don't have to earn them. That's the cool thing. Solomon is just starting off his reign as king. Now granted, he was already showing a lot of wisdom, right? Because like if you, if you ask for wisdom when God asks you for anything, you probably are already wise anyway, yeah? Like you're just probably already a smart cookie. Like that's just how it is. But, um, but it's really interesting that all of these things happen where, where he says, my father, David, my father, David, keep your promise to my father, David. You see, God is our, is our helper. God, is, he, he can do things that we can't. And if he promises something to us or something to our families, guys, he's going to come through. I, I would be interested this week. Here's your homework for the week. I'm not ending, but, but I, I just want you guys to think about this. Ask your parents or your guardians or your grandparents or whatever. Ask them, ask them what God has promised them. And then start to pray for those promises to come true and be fulfilled in your life. Guys, there are things that God has promised your grandparents or your parents or your uncles or your aunts or your guardians or your moms or your dads, there, there's, there's something. There are things that he's promised you uh, and promised them that he wants to do through you. You know, I think it was really cool. Macy brought up an amazing thing yes, uh, last week. I almost said yesterday. That was weird. Last week, she brought up an amazing thing. Remember, she got all fired up and she's like, hey, listen, there are things that you can do. There are things that you're called to do that we can't. That Suzanne can't, that, that, that parents can't, that, that leaders can't do. There are things that God is putting in you that I can't do. That's just true. But the cool thing about God is not only is he doing things in me that he can't do through you. Not only is he doing things in you that he can't do through me. But he is doing and starting works in me that are going to be continued and followed through by you. Does that make sense? So it's like I have my own promises from God. You have your own promises from God, but there are some things that God has promised us that continue through the generations that are going to outlast both of us. And I think that that is so, so cool. You know, I had a friend who, uh, I had a friend who just got engaged. I hope that this is making sense. I have a friend who just got engaged and I don't know if maybe you have this in your family, maybe, uh, ladies, uh, you guys are looking forward to this or, or whatever, but she, uh, she had the ring of her grandfather's mother, so her great-grandmother. And that was the ring that she is wearing as her proposal ring, uh, an engagement ring, proposal ring. Weird. That's her, that's her engagement ring. I, I was reading that, and as I was preparing for this message, I was like, man, this is incredible. That great-grandmother probably lived decades ago, <laughs> you know what I mean? Passed by. And yet she made that decision that I want to pass this down into my family so that they can have this ring in 2021. So that 
Maybe you have a grandmother or a mother who has a ring that you are going to get passed down to. I don't, I don't know. The thing of legacy is just so, so, so important and so cool. It, you know, she's a little bit older than me too, the, my, my friend. And you can imagine how long that ring was probably kept for that exact moment of that proposal, that engagement. I think it's so cool to know that God is committed to us. As Solomon seeks wisdom, read this story for yourself and read about the wisdom stuff because it is so good. And if you are asking for things that bring glory to God, he's going to bless you twofold. We're about to read that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But I think it's so cool that as Solomon is asking God for anything, literally anything, he brings up his father. He said, like, keep your promises to my father. Keep your promises as you established him as the king. Let's read these last two verses here. And like I said, I was getting a little ahead of myself. It says, God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor such as no king who before you has had and none after you will have. Here's the cool thing. This is where it gets into this spot of humility, guys. This is where it gets into this spot of what you ask for is important. Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asked for, for something that wasn't a selfish thing. Listen, God blesses humility. God blesses humility. God blesses you when you ask for something beyond yourself. If you were asking and you were sitting here and you're like, listen, I would ask for money or I would ask for this or I would ask for that. That's just the normal human thing. Nobody's knocking you for that. I, would, I could use some more money in the new car. That would be cool. But like, but there's something that happens when we shift it and say, no, 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 I, I know you want to give me everything, but, um, but actually I just, I just want, I just want to glorify you. That was Solomon's thing. That's the reason he wanted to ask for wisdom. He said, I want wisdom to govern your people. I want wisdom so that I can steward your people. Well, I want wisdom so that I can lead and be a good leader, not for any test, not for any selfish reason. He just wanted to steward and, and take what God had, had given him and, and, and have it well. Here's the cool thing. God is so good to us. God is so good to us that when we ask for the little things and we say, hey man, I just want to be more wise. I just want to seek you out. God says, oh, is that your heart? And you're like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to glorify you. I just want to make you known. I just want to do this for you. I just want to I just want to be there. And God says, oh, okay, well, I am going to give you those things that you probably do want. If you're walking out in faithfulness, if you are reading your Bible, if you are dedicated to the Lord, if you are actually sharing your faith with your friends, if you are really about this thing, watch what God does to show himself in your life. Watch some of the most some of the most faithful people that I know walk around with the most blessings. Why is that? Because they're faithful 
and because they honor God and because that's what they want in their desire. They could care less about houses or money or food or, or you know, trips or cars. Guys, if, if you seek out the Lord, he knows that you want the PS5. He knows that you want the job at that place that you really want to work at. He knows the desires of our heart. Scripture says that God knows the desires of our heart. But listen, if all we're doing is asking and asking and asking and asking, that's, that's not the right heart that we have. But if we would say, listen, God, I just want to glorify you. I just want to make you known. That reward is going to be so much sweeter and so much better and so much stronger. And so, oh, it's, it's so good. If you guys don't grab onto this concept, if you guys are kind of like, I'm lost. You guys uh, have chores? Who has chores? Who has chores? Yeah, lots of chores, lots of things. Have you guys ever done chores so that you could get your reward at the end of the week? That's probably most of you. Yeah. You're like, I am just doing this. I'm just cleaning the floor. I'm just doing the dishes. I'm just doing this so that I can get my money at the end of the week or whatever you get. Well, sometimes you, sometimes you might not get anything, but like, that was always kind of my motivation. I was always like, I just, I just want to get this done so that I can get onto the fun stuff and have my money and do whatever I want to do. And that was fine, but it made those chores really bad. I, I hated those chores. But on the flip side, when I looked at my chores and said, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm going to be a good noodle and do it. <laughs> I'm going to be a good, I'm going to be a good guy. Yep. So check this out. I just want to be a good noodle. I just want to be a good, I just want to be a good son. I just want to do my chores because that's what I'm supposed to do. I never really had chores, but like there were times where I'm like, I'm just going to clean my room because I want to, or because I, I just need to. And that's what's required of me. And what was really cool was in those moments where I was just like, listen, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to do it. That was when my parents noticed and rewarded it. And let me tell you, those rewards, when I took initiative and when I showed like, this is what I'm going to do without anything or without any recollection or, or, or um, uh, notoriety or anything. Recollection. I don't know. I'm saying really weird words. Anyway, um, if, I, if I did those things, those rewards that I got at the end of that time were so much better. And I did it with a heart that was like wanting to do it. And that always makes it better. Even if you didn't expect a reward or didn't expect something out of it, when you are faithful to just do what you're supposed to do with your chores, with your homework, with your jobs, God will bless it. God sees it. God blesses it. Just like our parents bless it. As we kind of close up, well, okay. As we kind of close up and the worship team can go ahead and come up. If we place God at the beginning of everything and at the front of everything, if we place him above everything in our life, God will show us that he's committed to us. And if God is committed to us, he's going to bless our humility. He's going to bless us when we want to glorify him, when we want to live our lives to worship him, when that's what we do. 
You know, Solomon asking for wisdom illustrates Christ's teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe you guys know this. It's verse 33. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Here's the cool part about this. God asking Solomon what he wants is not unique. It is unique in that sense of like, he straight up asked him, anything you want, I'll give it to you. That doesn't always happen. God does not always give him just an open check, blank check. But we can go to God and we can ask him, we can, we can go to him and, and, and ask him for things. We can make our requests known to God. And here's the cool thing about this, and this is what I want you guys to walk away with. If you walk away with nothing else, know that, know that we receive a favorable hearing when we go to the Lord. We receive favor when we go to God and we ask him for things that glorify him. When we say, listen, Abby, I wanna raise double what I raised last year. So yes, I'm asking God for money, but I'm not doing it so that I can get more money and pocket it. I'm doing it so I can give more. When you ask for God, when you ask God for things like you have a driver's license, but no car, you say, God, I want it. I want to get a car, please, please, would you just gift me a car? Because if you did, I would pick up all of my friends and all the people I know who need rides and I would be able to be there and serve them and be their taxi driver and do this out of service. Watch what God does. If you would just begin to reprioritize your needs and say, God, how can I glorify you with this? How can I make you known? How can I put you above these things? God is a good God and he wants to give you those gifts. You're like, God, I need Photoshop so I can edit and, and do all of this stuff. Would you please make uh, finances or, or increase or allow me to save? God says, you know what? If you wanna make graphics and you wanna illustrate and you wanna do all of this stuff so that I can be glorified here, here's an extra sum of money. Here's this. God wants to do that. He wants to provide for you if you want to glorify him. Here's the kicker though. This is where a lot of us get tripped up. So this is the warning of this. Don't ask for things and then lose the reason behind it. Don't ask for the car or ask for the money for speed the light. And then once you get the 2,500 you need or the 3,000 you need or the 5,000 you need, you're like, oh man, I have $5,000, this is awesome. Forget it. Don't lose it. Don't do that. That begins to put those things above God and then we lose it and it gets all out of whack. And now we're in a spot where we're hurting and we're broken and we're wondering why do I have all of this stuff, but there's no blessing on it. There's no anything there. Guys, cool thing about this story is that if we would just humble ourselves and ask for the things that glorify God, God gives it to us and then expands the kingdom. Solomon was well known as a king because of his wisdom and because of his honor and because of his humility and because of his wealth and all these things that God gave him. But he did it because he wanted to glorify God. He didn't want to just have it to be the most awesome king ever. 
You guys bow your heads and close your eyes. Last thing, Solomon still is not surpassed as the most wealthy. He's synonymous with wealth and wisdom. His name is synonymous with that. I think that that's incredible of God's promises to us, his commitment to us. I don't know what you are wanting to ask God for, but tonight, if you would say, listen, I've been asking God for a lot of things and um, I've been doing it out of selfish reasons. I've been asking him for all the wrong reasons, but I've been just asking him for stuff as if he's a genie, genie that I can just rub the lamp and get my three wishes. Tonight, if you would say, Josh, I, I've, been, I've been just treating God like that and asking him for things and not even really understanding the purpose or reason why I want it, but I just want it. That would be you tonight. Would you just please raise your hand? Tonight, thank you. Tonight, if you would say, Josh, I, I, I don't even know how to ask God for anything because I don't even feel like I'm worthy to ask him for anything. That's you tonight. Would you please raise your hand? I feel like I'm worthy to even ask him for anything. Let me tell you tonight, you guys can put your hands down. Let me tell you tonight, God wants to give those things to you and be there for you, provide for you. Motive and have the right heart for it. If you're asking for the wrong things or asking for the right things, but for the wrong reasons, it's not going to turn out well. Father, tonight, pray over each and every student here, those who raised their hands, those who didn't. Lord, if there's any ulterior motives in our prayers, in our petitions, and what we do to ask things of you, if there's any ulterior motives of saying, you know what, I, I really don't know what I'm doing in asking for this, but I'm just going to ask. Father, if there's not a clear motivation to bring you glory, bring you honor, and bring you praise, I pray that you would just fix all of the hearts here, including mine. Lord, that you would just begin to shift our hearts to move from how can I get more stuff and how can I accumulate all this stuff to how can I glorify you. Father, tonight, if there's anyone here who doesn't even feel like they're worthy, doesn't even feel like they're worth it, they can't come to God for anything, they could probably... Father, if they're even struggling with asking for prayer or asking for different things for you to move in their life, I pray that as we close in this time of worship, that you would just comfort them and surround them and let them know that they are loved by you so much so that you would send your son on a cross to die for their sins. Father, I pray that you would just rest on them, just be with them, comfort them in everything that they need. Father, I pray that moving forward, our prayers would be that, to glorify you. They would be prayers that, that seek to honor you, to seek to bring others around you, Father. I pray that you would make yourself known in each of their lives so that they can bring honor and glory to you, which is our only purpose here. Any other motivation, any other motive, wrong, it's off. Father, I pray that you 
just be with us as we close out this time. I know, I know it's getting late and I know we're a little over, but Father, I pray that you would just use this extra time. Speak clearly, speak boldly. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Man, so we have one more.